Welcome to Creatively Human, a podcast for online business owners and creatives that goes beyond the work and dives deep into why we do what we do, the struggles and wins we face along the way, and how we fit it all into the kind of life we want to live. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and I help creatives grow their businesses in ways that fit around their life and values. Today I'm chatting with Vix Meldrew who started blogging under a pen name and quit her teaching job last year to take it full time. She is really open about what it takes to make that transition and we chatted quite a bit about how much honesty there is surrounding money and privilege in the blogging industry. We also talk about building a business around your personality, trying lots of new things, finding your voice and doing it your way. Hi Vix, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hello, my dear. <laughs> Can you start by telling us how and why you got into blogging? Sure. So back in, I think it was like 2014, um, I'd been teaching for a couple of years and I was in a really terrible relationship and at teaching I was completely failing as a sort of newly qualified teacher. I was just awful. And my escape was reading blogs and uh, going on social media to kind of entertain myself. And I'd been following blogs since I was at uni, which was in 2012, and I was training to be a teacher. So I got to sort of like a six weeks holidays from teaching, and I had a whole six weeks ahead of me. And I thought, I'm so bored. Like, what can I do over these six weeks that's going to give me a bit of motivation and give me a new lease of life? And I thought, do you know what, I'm just going to start a blog, because I've always done like web design and loved um, you know, making websites on front page back in the day. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. So I signed up for a blogger account and chose my name and bought a £12 layout from Etsy. And yeah, I just started writing. And I, and I kind of tried to be like my favourites and do the kind of fashion, beauty, lifestyle, bit of mixture of everything. And I enjoyed it but it was awful and I was rubbish but <laughs> it was quite nice that I then started joining in on like the Twitter community and get, got chatting to other bloggers and started making friends through other bloggers and I just really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm right in saying that you blog under a pen name correct? That's right yeah so because I was teaching and when I was thinking about my blog name and I was doing all the research online and it was like, what should you call your blog? And lots of people at the time, the trend was very much like cupcakes and ice cream and <laughs> puppies and kittens. And it was all of those kind of names, the sort of whimsical kind of ones. And that's not really me. And the advice that I was reading was saying, you know, use your real name because you'll become like your own brand. So definitely try and use your real name. And I thought, well, I can't. Well, A, my real name is super boring. Um, it's just Victoria Jones. And I was like, nobody's going to read a blog called Victoria Jones. And secondly, um, as a teacher, I didn't want parents or children that I was teaching to like Google me because I've ha I'd had like parents and children try to add me on Facebook. So I knew that their sleuthing, internet sleuthing skills were good and I didn't want them to find it. So I chose Vix Meldrew because all of my friends and family called me Vix. And my best friend, Amy, discovered my uni my nickname at uni um, after Victor Meldrew from One Foot in the Grave, like the grumpy grandpa character, because I was just always moaning <laughs> at uni. Um, so she always used to call me Meldrew. And then it's then she shortened it down to Melge, 
But I was like, that's not really going to make a good blog name. So yeah, then I just put Vix and Meldrew together. So how long was it until people did start to figure it out from your real life? Well, um, I remember I had, um, I have some really good teacher friends from my second school that I was then teaching at for five years. And we all got really, really, really close. And I just remember being all together one day and just really drunk and just kind of blurting out to them, being like, guys, I have a blog. And um, showed them to her. I was like, please don't tell anyone else at school. You're the only people that know. Um, and then as we sort of went on, I was on the news a couple of times. I've been on the radio a few times, magazines, that kind of thing, or been retweeted by either celebrities or bigger kind of bloggers and YouTubers that I then had a few people being like, did I see you on so-and-so and what's Vix Meldry? Like, that's not your name and this kind of thing. Um, slowly people started to cotton on and then, yeah, then everybody knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really sort of fascinated by the whole thing behind pen name because I, when I started blogging, which was quite a long time ago when I was at university, I used a pen name. And the reason I did it was basically because I was just too scared for anyone to read it. <laughs> I think it happens like a lot more often than we think. You know, I think there are a lot of bloggers out there that have either gone behind a different kind of out there name or have then used a pen name. And, I, you know, a lot of bloggers that I speak to say the same thing that, like, oh, you know, I don't want my friends to read it or I don't want my partner to read it or I don't want my work colleagues to read it. I think that's a thing yeah it's yeah. weird isn't it um do you think that blogging under a pen name kind of helped you to write um was it more freeing you could write about whatever you wanted you could be more honest or did it or you you just that way anyway yeah no it definitely did when I became single and I started to write about dating and my dating like trials and tribulations it, I wouldn't have a, been able to be as free talking about sex and dating and relationships if I had that fear that um, I would be found out. Because even while I was writing that and, you know, lots of my posts I was really super proud of and I just wanted to, like, share really widely, um, it was always in the back of my head, what if somebody from school finds this? Am I going to get in trouble? And for the four or five years that I was that I was writing, always in my head I was like, if my school find out about this, are they going to tell me to um, shut down my blog or quit my blog? Or are they going to put me like in a disciplinary or something like that? Because I was being so, you know, I swear a lot on my blog. I was talking about very kind of intimate and personal things. Um, so that was always that worry. And if I didn't have that pen name, I just wouldn't have been able to do it at all. Yeah, yeah, that's really um, tricky. Having that kind of double life not quite a double life but you know what I mean it felt like a double life like when I was at school and I'd have like an event invite in the evening um I'd have to say like oh I'm going to so-and-so and and they'd be like that's that's a weird event like who's going there with you and I'd always say oh it's my flatmate or it's with so-and-so and towards the end I started getting sort of my like PR packages delivered to school because I was never at home to to get them and that, you know, people would be like, you just had like a whole thing from Benefit Cosmetics mm-hmm. show up or you've just had this whole thing from so-and-so show up. What's that? And I'd have to be like, oh, I ordered it for a friend or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So the circle started like closing in on me, which was a bit daunting, but it was all OK in the end. How long ago was it when you decided to quit and take your blog full time? Uh, it was I went part time in January of this year and then in February I handed in my notice and then I left in April. 
So it's, uh, and then it was like the Easter holiday. So yeah, like April, May time have, I've been full time since then. Wow. And yeah, I guess everyone knows now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I, I think it was, yeah, around when I went part time, I did tell people that it was because I was concentrating on my writing. And the funny thing is as well, around January time, my head teacher followed me on Twitter and I was like, is that her? Like they have the same name, but she hasn't got a picture and she's liking my tweets. Like, is that a coincidence? <laughs> is that my head teacher? And then I had this like huge panic, but at the time I was like, you know what? I'm handing in my notice. I don't really mind. And then when I went to speak to her to hand in my notice, <clears throat> and I'd been at the school for five years, I was in love with the school, in love with the families and the children. I really, really didn't want to leave at all. But, you know, I thought if I don't try this now, I'm, I'm never going to. And I sat down with her and said, you know, I think it's time that, you know, I've got X, Y, Z going on and I just really want to concentrate on this aspect of my life. And she went, oh, yeah, your blog. And I was like, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know about that. She was like, oh, yeah, I've been reading it for months. And I was like, ah, OK. So I probably could have just stayed on at school and then and when I knew that she knew about it but it was it was too far gone by then wow wow yeah that's the kind of thing that would really freak me out (laughs) it was it was like a uh, okay but I knew I was leaving then so yeah I mean you said that you actually didn't want to leave so that's interesting so how did you make this decision then to leave this job that you did enjoy and to take the leap into your business sort of at the end of last year things were getting I was just busy all of the time and I was if I wasn't teaching I was at home writing or going to events and you know like the workload just kind of piles on top of you Mm. and I I wasn't concentrating enough on teaching and I wasn't concentrating enough on the blog I was just doing both kind of half-heartedly and I knew that I loved teaching I loved working with the kids but I hated kind of working for the man and the government and everything that's going wrong in education and it used to because I was so passionate about it, it used to make me super angry. And I didn't want to be angry anymore. I wanted to, you know, just do something and put myself first. And I do have struggles with mental health. I lost both my parents in the last two years. And I thought, you know what, I just need to give myself a bit of a break. So that's when I made the decision to go part time, because I thought, right, at least then I can fully concentrate on teaching for three days. And I can fully concentrate on my blog for two days. And I can kind of make that separation. But it actually ended up being more stressful because if anybody's ever done a job share before, they'll kind of recognize the feeling of even though you're there for three days, you end up doing five days work anyway if the other person you're mm-hmm. sharing kind of isn't up to scratch almost. So it became more stressful then. And I just thought, you know, I can't, um, I just don't want to constantly be stressed. I just want to... Um, kind of pursue my passions. Teaching is a profession that I'm qualified in, fully qualified, very experienced in. I can always come back to it. But if I let the blogging train kind of go in five, six, seven years, who knows what it's going to be? So it's, it's time to kind of explore that now. And financially as well, it was a big struggle because I'm not wealthy. I don't come from a wealthy background. I have never had any financial support everything you know my rent my bills my debts are all paid from my teaching salary and I was kind of like ah if I don't have that am I going to be able to survive Mm. I've got I don't like taking handouts and I would never ask for handouts from anyone so I was like how is it going to make this work but when I was working part-time I was slowly building and building and building and it got to the point where I thought right actually okay I do make enough that I can live on 
And worst case scenario, as long as I just pay rent every month, um, I will be fine. And yeah, so I, I, it was kind of like an amalgamation of all of those things of like mentally preparing myself to do it, financially preparing myself to do it, and then just going, do you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> going to do it. Yeah, it's important to talk about the kind of build up there because sometimes it can just look like, oh, such and such has this blog and they've just suddenly turned it into a business and it's all easy. But there's a lot of thought and stress and worry that goes into it. And do you know what? A, a lot of the time as well, and I definitely think this isn't spoken about enough, is that when I was looking at these people and going, oh my gosh, they've become a full time blogger. Oh my gosh, like they must be making loads of money. This is great. Actually, how many of those people are air quotes full-time bloggers and how many live at home so they have no outgoings Mm. so it doesn't matter if they make 50 pounds that month or five thousand pounds that month because they've got a roof over their heads and food on their table how many people are like that how many people have a side job have a side hustle have a part-time job in a shop but don't tell the internet that because they want to have this kind of allure of oh look at me i'm full-time blogging this is my job when actually what pays the rent is their two days a week in Topshop. And I think because I everybody knew that I was a teacher and then everybody knew that I went part-time and I've always been very open and honest and saying, you know, if one month blogging has not brought in enough money for me, I will go and do supply. I will go and do teaching supply for a couple mm-hmm. of days so that I can pay the bills. I don't know how many other people are, are that transparent about that because it kind of, they want to portray that lifestyle and brand of being this, high-flying full-time blogger um whereas I I don't know if it's like an age thing because I'm 32 whereas I'm a bit like you know I rent I pay bills I have debts somebody's got to pay for it and it's me and this is how I'm doing it kind of thing um but I do think the pressure there is kind of like oh my gosh I want to be a full-time blogger but how am I ever going to earn enough money because they see all these other people doing it and it's actually like right if you actually look behind it Who's being supported? Who has a part? Who has a part-time job? Who is truly full-time? Air quotes, you know. Yes, yes, so important. And you also touched on the whole privilege thing, and that is something that is not talked about enough. Sometimes I just, I really dislike the language used around quitting your job and doing what you love, following your dreams. It's a bit, it's ignoring that kind of privilege side of it and the and the hard side of the money stuff as well yeah and I think because I do blogger coaching and a lot of people a lot of bloggers come to me and they say you know my big goal is I want to blog full-time and that's what I want to do I want to be a blogger full-time will you help me and I'll and I always say yes of course but I can only show you the route that I've taken and the route that I've taken is building a business and building enough money so that I can self-sustain myself so I always say to them you know what is enough money? Because if you live at home and you're self-supporting, you can be a full-time blogger like that. Yep, uh, yep. If you're not self-supporting, sorry, if you've got that financial support, then of course you can quit your job because you won't lose your house and you your bills will be paid and you'll still have food on the table. It, it's easier. But if you are a professional and you have a salary and you have commitments, it's not that easy to just take that leap. And that's why I do coaching because I feel like, you know, I'm not an expert. I've ne- I never ever call myself an expert, but all I can show people is how I've done it. And how I've done it is that kind of way of, I had a full-time job. I built this up on the side so it, that it was enough to sustain me so that I could le- then leave that full-time job. But it wasn't like an irresponsible, like, you know, like like you said, all of this language surrounded, like, follow your dreams, guys, follow your heart. Because actually in the real world, 
you will get in debt and then you'll be homeless if you're not making enough to support yourself. Yep, yep, so true. And the other thing is, I think sometimes when you go from a job and then you have your own business or you're earning money through blogging, you don't actually know how to manage that money sometimes and you don't plan for um, the hard times. So for example, in my, it's not through blogging, but in my online business, I I took it traveling for a year. I went traveling and it was all great. But when I came back, I did have to move back in with my parents and I was lucky and privileged that I could. And my income took a nosedive and I had to build it up again. And it's like, it's not all like smooth sailing all the time. And I also didn't plan for my tax bill, for example. Just things <laughs> like that we yeah, need to talk about. And I think that even when I was working full time, like I, and I always say this, I've always been awful with money. I've always been very spendy, never saving, never forward thinking, never saving for a rainy day. And that was another consideration I had when I thought about leaving because mm -hmm. I thought I am terrified of not having this regular income. I, you know, in my early twenties to mid twenties, I was in terrible debt. I was having bailiffs knocking on the door. I've been in debt before people calling up saying you've missed this payment, you've missed that payment because I was so irresponsible. And when I started reaching my 30s, I thought, right, I can't be irresponsible with money anymore. So when I was teaching and I was getting this regular income coming through, I started saving and I started putting stuff away for X, Y, Z. And then suddenly I was like, okay, well, I'm going to leave all that behind now. Where's this stability going to come in? And it was very, very scary for me. But in a way, it's actually transformed how I am with money because even though, you know, I still have my debts that I'm paying off, um, it's almost like um, a live or die situation. Like, I know that if I do not save the money that comes in, I will not be able to pay my bills. You know, I now know that there's no one that I can fall back on, no one that's going to give me that handout. It's all built from me. But then in a way as well, I take a good, like, pride in that. I take pride in, like, everything that I've made I've made everything that I've saved has come from me and then that gives me that sort of bit of motivation and I am really really lucky that I do have my fiance Ben because there has been times especially over the summer when it gets a bit quieter where I've had to say to him like oh I've not got any money until Friday can you just transfer me like 30 pounds that I can go and have a coffee and get into town for my meeting um and he's just like so good about it and if, you know, if I didn't have that, would I be able to do this full time, you know? So like, like you said, with moving back and your parents, we're lucky in certain ways that we can have these things that give us that sort of confidence and that sort of foundation to build back up from when things do, <laughs> when things are slow. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I love about what you're doing now is your exciting emails. And this is where you kind of talk about all things blogging like what we've just been talking about and everything else and I love the way you're sort of questioning everything all the time sort of <laughs> encouraging people to to look at things look at judgments about bloggers more critically um, use their platform in their own way I would love to talk to you a bit more about how it feels to both be a blogger and also kind of commenting on the whole blogging industry at the same time yeah yeah, it's something that I've always done because, again, I'm naturally a cynical person. I feel like I am that little bit older than um, than possibly the average age of bloggers. Uh, coming from like a teaching background as well, I, I am a critical thinker. 
And I'm very, like I said, I'm very cynical. And you know how I said before about teaching, I hate the man and the system. I'm very like anti-authority. So I think it's just in my nature to kind of question everything. And over the years that I've been doing it, I've had lots of experiences with other bloggers, with the systems, with this, that and the other that has made me think, I don't know what it is. I, I hate fake people, fakeness and fraud and inauthenticity inauthenticity is a huge huge bugbear of mine and when I see it because I am very critical and very kind of analytical I it's something that I always have to come up against even in my work in my working career if I saw somebody who was cheating the system or playing a game or being a bit shady I would always take it upon myself to confront them and talk to them about it and try to understand why and I think that's kind of come over into blogging as well and I think because it is an industry of, of proportionately women and often um, younger women that they might not have those kind of critical thinking skills necessary or not to like the extreme extent that I have them Mm -hmm. and they kind of go along blindly and think oh yeah this is going to be great and yeah I'm going to do this and this I'm going to hang all of my self-worth on this and this is what's going to make me happy and and I just think I just want for them to not be as critical and as uh, analytical as I am because it can be like a a huge huge pain at times but just to think about it a bit more and just to think a bit more about their futures and about where things are going um so that they don't put all of their happiness and consideration into this one thing yep yep and do you ever come up against criticism yourself being so outspoken about these issues oh yeah all the time because <laughs> I, I did a an art a blog post a couple of years ago where I went to a, a blogging event and I encountered a few bloggers who despite on the internet appearing to be everybody's best friend and super welcoming and please come and chat to me you're all my best friends I'd love to meet you I can't wait to meet you were considerably quite rude and I spoke out about that and I said you know you're making a career and you're making money off of being everybody's best friend and being you know the girl next door that everybody loves but then in real life you you're this rude entitled kind of person And I got a lot of backlash on that. You know, people were saying, you know, they could have just been anxious. You know, they might have been tired. It might have been this and this and that. And to be fair, like in reflection, I've since met up with some of those people and chatted it through and, you know, and gotten to the bottom of it kind of thing. So I probably shouldn't have like just shot my mouth off at the time. But, you know, that's just you just have to contend with that. And I think I always say that I'm often the one that puts their head above the parapet and sometimes it works and sometimes people really get behind me and go, oh my God, yes, thank you. Somebody's saying it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, this is how I feel, but I've been too scared to say it. But then Mm. on the other hand, it can kind of shoot you in the foot because then people are like, you know, why are you causing situations or why are you moaning about things? Just like get on with it kind of thing. So yeah, I've, in the last couple of years, I've mellowed out a bit and I've, taken it less on myself to be the one to be sort of like charging forward and you know trying to confront this that and the other because I've seen that in some ways it works and in a lot of ways it doesn't work yeah. Um, but yeah that, that's what you get I think sometimes when you do stick your head above the parapet as it were. I guess you're always learning as well and as long as you're open to learning and improving like for example you've been sharing about your outfits and things but you've also written a blog post about questioning whether you should be because does it encourage fast fashion and you're asking the questions you don't necessarily have the answers but it's important to ask those questions and think about your own practices and get other people thinking as well 
Yeah, and I think that's the other thing that sometimes gets misconstrued because sometimes if I write stuff, it can come across as like, oh, she's being very preachy or she's saying this, that and the other. When actually, like you said, the entire time I'm I'm asking the questions of myself. Mm. I'm reflecting on myself. And if that the shoe also fits other people, then that's on them. But when I was writing about that, it was like, I've done X, Y, Z. I've contributed to this, but now I've become more aware of it. Now I'm worrying that I'm contributing to it as opposed to you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that, you know? Um, And I, you know, that's always been my thing. I'm like almost overly humble. I'm overly self deprecating. I never put myself in this position of I'm this, I'm this amazing person that does this, this, that, and the other. I'm all I ever want to do is say that I'm reflecting on this. I'm learning about this. Like, should we all learn about it at the same time uh, rather than, you know, I'm this expert, you're doing all of this wrong? Yeah, I think that's just the attitude we should all have, really. Um, do you do quite a lot online? You have your your blog, which you post to pretty regularly and your Instagram. And now you have your new podcast as well and your emails, which am I right in saying you send every week? Um, is it is it a lot? Do you sometimes find it? like you just want to take a break oh yeah it's too much <laughs> and, and some and recently I was then doing YouTube as well yeah. and had a different podcast and and my thing is well because a lot of people say it's like oh you know you're always chopping and changing you're always doing stuff and then picking it up and then dropping it off again like why don't you just stick to the one thing whereas actually I'm all about experimenting and I like to try different things and I like to experiment with different styles and you know, doing a bit of this and a bit of that until I um, find something that works for me and that I'm happy with, that I'm enjoying doing. Um, So I often pick up projects and then drop them quite quickly. But that's only because I don't like wasting time. If I try something and it's not working, then I'll just drop it super quickly. Um, But if I pick up something and I'm really enjoying it, then I try and make room for it elsewhere. So Mm. Yeah, at the moment, the podcast is going to go out weekly. The emails are going out weekly. But then the blog has kind of not suffered, but I'm posting less regularly on there, posting less regularly on Instagram. So I I need to find a bit more of a balance. But um, I just just do what I enjoy at the time. And at at the moment, I'm really excited about the emails and the podcast, less excited about Instagram. But then I'll go through a period of being really excited about Instagram and wanting to post like twice a day and something else will be put on the back burner but I just like experimenting and like you know I I didn't quit teaching to go into another job where there were rules and, and regimented things and expectations and pressures I, I quit to build something of my own and to make it of my own and and to enjoy it and if I'm not enjoying it I'm just not going to do it. Yes I love that I love that and I think it's part of the whole sort of entrepreneurial personality to be experimenting a lot and to have loads of ideas and it's good that you acknowledge that you are you're thinking about which ideas are worth running with and which aren't and so that's great you're trying new things I think I've just always been like the I'm all ideas and like none of the execution (laughs) (laughs) so I always just have like a million million ideas and then I can never execute them properly but I just like having the ideas but yeah I just think you know, with with the online world and digital businesses and it all being so new that who knows what's going to be the next thing? Who knows what's going to stick? Who knows what's going to be popular unless you try it? And, and again, you know, with the coaching that I do, 
I meet up with these bloggers and they say, you know, for six months, a year, two years, five years, six years, I've been doing this and doing this and doing this and it's just not working. And then I come in and I say, okay, well, why don't we just sack that off and try this instead? And then suddenly they are really motivated again and they're like, oh yeah, why didn't I think of that before? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get stuck into it. And you know, in any kind of creative business, the minute you pigeonhole yourself and the minute you say, I'm only ever going to do this, like you're kind of stifling yourself. Yes. And one thing I think about what you do is the thing that ties it all together really is you and your personality. And I'm really interested in asking you a bit about how did you sort of find your voice online? Did it take you a long time and a lot of blogging? I think that I've always been, like I said, even at school, even in other jobs, I've always been like the gobshite, always (laughs) been the one who um, wants to make the jokes and wants to, my favourite thing is to make people feel awkward and to cringe people out. And that's just my personality as it is. And when I started writing, and I still do now, I just write as if I'm telling a best friend. Um, uh, if I'm just having a cocktails with my friends and I'm telling them a story about something that's happened, how I write is exactly how I talk. Um, so, you know, and I think when I first started out, you know, if I was doing like a review post, like a beauty review, I was writing it. I was like, this doesn't sound like me. Like I don't use mm. these words and I don't ever speak like this. And then it was kind of like, well, why are you writing about that then? Because you can't get your personality. You don't care about that enough because you wouldn't speak about it to your best mates. And then I started thinking, well, what sort of things do I talk to my friends about? And especially then when I became single, you know, what things would I talk to my best friend about? Would it be like the guy that I had a crush on, the date that went wrong, the person who rejected me? It'd be all of those things. So I just wrote it as if I, yeah, as if I was telling a friend. And that probably is the reason why people like reading your blog as well, because it feels like um, hearing something from a friend. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I think, you know, even along the way, I've gotten lost in certain things. And when you go through big life changes, it kind of changes you as a personality. And it, recently, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, Vix, like you, I followed you because you were talking about sex and dating. Like you've gotten boring now. Like I want you to talk about sex and dating. And I'm like, well, I've got a fiance. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I have a private life. Yes, I can write some funny like listicle posts. But his mum reads my blog, <laughs> um, his friends read my blog, like I don't want them to think it's about him, or that it's not about him, that it's about someone else, like, you know, it, I do have a life as well, and and things grow and change, you know, before I was single, I wasn't writing about dating, then I was single, I was writing about dating, now I'm not single, I'm not going to be writing about dating, um, so you have to kind of try and keep your personality, and keep your individual voice, but you go through these kind of like transition times where it's like, okay, well, what can I apply it to now? What do I care about now? What am I talking to my friends to about now? And it might not be the things that the people followed you for in the first place. Yep, yep. And do you have any boundaries about what you do and don't share? Well, this is the kind of situation I'm in now, really, where I'm trying to trying to find my feet again. Because like I said, I do love talking about relationships and I'm very much single positive and I'm very much um, the type of person who will call up their best friend and say, you know, your partner treats you like shit. You can do so much better. Like, let's sort this out because this is outrageous. Like, you deserve so much better. Um, And I love talking about relationships from that kind of aspect. But in terms of, like, I don't want to talk about mine and Ben's relationship because it's our personal life and it's between me and him. And 
also we have such a great relationship that I don't want to be that like braggy kind of like oh god get a room like <laughs> oh yeah we've heard about him before kind of person um because there's kind of like nothing bad to say it's like well what do you write about then oh yeah we had a great we've had a great week we've had a great weekend we had a nice holiday together do you know what I mean yep. so that's the kind of thing I, I just want to keep private between us and yeah I might write some like funny sex-based posts but what people don't understand is like in my head I'm thinking right I want to be funny and I want to be outrageous I want to make people laugh and I want to shock people but I also don't want to offend my fiance and I don't want to offend his mum and his little sisters and my sister, you know, all of these other considerations that come into it. So yeah, there's, there are certain things that are off limits, but then there are things that I'm really open about talking about, you know, like, like I said, I lost both my parents in the last couple of years. So I talk quite openly about grief, about my mental health struggles, um, about working and freelancing and, you know, I can be quite open about a lot of things, but I think it's fair that I keep one or two things to myself. Oh, definitely. Um, I was wondering if anyone listening was thinking about building a brand or a blog around their personality, sort of like you have, what kind of advice would you give to them? Um, I think that's the first thing I always say is you write it as if you're talking to your friend. Mm -hmm. So, I always sometimes, I'm, as I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I can't say that. And the minute I think, oh, I can't say that, that's the minute I go, no, you should definitely say that. <laughs> because that's when you're really getting your personality across. When you start thinking, oh, I should edit that or I should rewrite that. I mean, obviously for grammar purposes, yes, you want it to make sense. But if you're thinking ever of going, oh, no, I shouldn't say it like that because um, that's too personal or that's too this, like push ahead with it. The other thing I always say to people as well is, Think about who your audience are. If, you know, for me, I know that it's sort of like late 20s, early 30s women. They're all going to get the same references that I get. They all love Saved by the Bell growing up. They all loved playing Dreamphone and Westlife. <laughs> so I often like litter my writing with those kind of like nostalgic references because I know as my audience are reading it, they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, oh, my gosh, I love that too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's bearing in mind who you are and writing it as you would speak obviously and then you know editing it so it's grammatically correct but also thinking about who your audience are and how you can reach them through different through different ways that's really great advice and I love the whole thing about the references I love I love the references you have in your content so fun They're my favorite things to write and that as I'm writing they're like oh my gosh yeah and then I can talk about Gary Barlow and oh my gosh <laughs> about, like loving house plants because I'm such a millennial but yep. yeah <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh dear. Right. We've been chatting for a while, so I'm going to ask you a few parting questions before we wrap up. The first one is what makes you laugh? Um, other than myself. Um, <laughs> no, um, my Ben makes me laugh a lot. He's very silly. So uh, whenever I spend time with him, we're just laughing constantly. Um, I love British comedy. So The Office, Alan Partridge, Peep Show, Anything like that, I would. if I'm having one of those moods where I just need a good laugh, I'll stick on something like that. Me too. Love Peep Show. So good. So good. Um, second question. If you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell your younger self? Well, yeah, like we were saying earlier, whenever I think of, oh, you know, tell yourself 10 years ago, I was like, oh, you know, 16, 18. No, 10 years ago, <laughs> so that's good. Um, when I was 22, I was working in recruitment. I was absolutely miserable. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had previously worked in film and I thought I wanted to work in film and I'd previously done like a bit of acting. So I thought I wanted to be an actress and then I'd 
taught some drama schools and I thought oh maybe I could be a teacher and I think back then I would have just said to myself you know stop worrying about what you think you should do um and do what you know make the most of the fact that you live at home that your parents are very supportive and go out and try and achieve the, the dream that you want to do rather than thinking that you've got this set path of okay well you must make enough money so you can move out and you can find a husband and then you can have kids and then you can do that in those kind of strict terms think more to yourself you know if your dream is to get into film to do acting to do teaching don't waste time just go and do it great advice yeah right final question where can people go to find out more about you and what you do um, you can come to vixmeldrew.com. It's going through a bit of a makeover at the moment, but there I have my blog posts and you can also find out more information about my coaching that I offer to other bloggers who are looking to um, either start a blog or to kind of take their blog to the next level. Um, I also have lots of resources on there for bloggers to download and use. Um, if you want to sign up to my weekly newsletter, like we were talking about before that has loads of blogger tips and insights into the industry you can also find that at vixmeldrew.com and then i am at vixmeldrew on all of the social platforms twitter instagram my blog vixmeldrew.com also has the podcast it's all about the blogging business and starting from scratch and it's going to include everything you will ever need to know about becoming a blogger or taking your blog to that next level great and i really recommend the exciting emails newsletter it's brilliant Yay, cool. Yeah, I need to get writing that this afternoon. Oh, thank you so much. That was brilliant. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. It would really help me and the podcast if you could take a moment to review, rate and subscribe. I'd also really love to hear from you on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite, where I like to get a bit philosophical about online business. And you can find me on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com where you can read the episode show notes, subscribe to my behind the scenes newsletter, or read more about my own experience of running a creative online business.